You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. The Bible reading comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 43. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds or 27 kilos of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's all right. We're ready to rock and roll. Okay, let's do this. So um, Matthew chapter 13. uh, And the question before us tonight is, are weeds the way of the future? Are weeds the way of the future? I so badly wanted to title this talk, Does Weed Have a Future? (laughs) 
because I thought that uh, that would have been immediately relevant to you. You would have gone, yeah, we need to know the answer to this. And I would have just said, don't do dope, don't smoke, smoke pot. And it would have been over in about 30 seconds. Um, no, but and I wouldn't really have fit with the passage, right? The passage, though, does raise this question. Are weeds the way of the future? And the reason why that's a question that this passage answers is because Jesus says that along with the wheat will grow the weeds such that it's not clear how glorious and big and wonderful the crop is. That's the basic story here in this passage. And you might be tempted to think that the weeds are going to overrun the harvest or overrun the paddock. And so that's the question that Jesus is wanting to answer. Are weeds the way of the future? And we'll get into that a bit more in a moment. But to be clearer about why Jesus wants to answer this question, to be clearer about that, it's all to do with expectations. You see, the Old Testament set us up to believe. The Old Testament set us up to believe that God's people who were already, right, part of God's kingdom. They were part of the Jewish nation in Israel. They were already a kingdom. They expected, they were taught through the Old Testament scriptures that the missing ingredient to God's kingdom being revealed in all its glory, coming in all its power, is the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, this kingdom that seems to be limping along, that seems to be struggling, will be raised up and revealed to be truly the great and wonderful and glorious and all-powerful kingdom of God that it actually is, when the Messiah comes. And now that Jesus has come onto the scene, they've joined the dots, and a lot of people are beginning to realise he's the Messiah. And Jesus, prior to this parable that he speaks here that we're looking at tonight, he's already self-identified as the Messiah. And so, of course, right, the excitement is palpable. People are going, the Messiah's here. We're part of God's kingdom now here in, you know, national Israel. We're part of the Jews and it's just around the corner and the kingdom is going to be unveiled and all its power and glory is going to be made known because the Messiah's here. The Messiah's here. And Jesus wants to say to them, yes, yes, I'm the Messiah. And yes, the kingdom of heaven is coming through me. I am bringing the kingdom of heaven. But it's not quite that straightforward. It's not going to be quite that plain sailing. It's going to be a bit more complicated than that. And he explains in this parable here of the weeds why. He says, there's a farmer that comes out and sows the good seed into the soil. But at night time, his enemy comes and sows weeds into the field as well. And as those good seeds begin to sprout and grow up, so do the weeds. And the, and the man who sowed the good seed has servants and they come to him and they say... Who put these weeds here? And he says, an enemy put them there. And he says, and they say, shall we, you know, um, uproot all these weeds? And he says, no, leave them. 
leave them until the end, until the harvest, because if you put up the weeds now, you might accidentally rip up the wheat, the good seed. And he goes on in a minute, and we'll look at this in more detail, he goes on to a, in a minute, Jesus, to explain in detail what this parable, in fact, means. And interestingly, when he goes on to explain this parable, the, the big question I've got is, how, Jesus, how would rooting out evil now, how would weeding the garden now, how would that affect or destroy or harm the good seed? How would that affect the wheat? But interestingly, when he goes on to explain it to his disciples, he completely glosses over that. He doesn't even mention that part of the parable he's just told. And actually, it's not really the point. All he wants us to know is that for some reason, according to God's purposes, both evil... Both wicked and people who do evil and things that cause evil are going to flourish into the future alongside the kingdom of heaven in such a way that it obscures the glory, the power, the might of the kingdom of heaven that is in fact coming in glory and power in Jesus Christ. It has come in Jesus, but it's still to come somewhere in the future in all its glory and right now the weeds are going to grow up alongside it and obscure its glory and power such that many will ask, are weeds the way of the future? Because it sure looks like it. The weeds have so obscured the crop that you begin to wonder, what is this field actually growing What's going to win out? And as I said, he goes on to explain it there in verses uh, 36 to 43. Jesus says this. He says, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. And his disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, Well, the one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The Son of Man was prophesied in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. And it's the picture of a human being, the Son of Man, who is whisked up into the throne room of God on behalf of God's people. And he leads God's people in victory over the rest of the world and de uh, you know, uh, evil forces that oppress them. That's in Daniel 7. That's the picture. And here he's saying, the one who sowed the good seed is that Son of Man figure in Daniel 7. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire... So it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So he explains that parable 
And he tells us a lot of stuff, doesn't he? A lot of spicy, confronting, juicy things. The one thing he doesn't tell us is the one I really want to know. Why can't you just pull out the weeds now? Jesus doesn't even touch that. Like He doesn't say, explain exactly how it might harm you know, people of his kingdom if we were to judge the wicked right now. He doesn't explain that, but he just simply says this. It's just the way it is. And he, and, he, and, he, and he makes a stark contrast there, doesn't he, between the good seed and the bad seed. And there are only two types here, according to Jesus. There are people who are planted by him, disciples of the Son of Man, members of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' followers. There are those types of people, the kingdom of heaven in the world. The world is the field. And then there are people who have been sown by the devil. There are only two types of people. People who are led by the devil and people who are led by the Son of Man. And that raises a really important issue here. And that is that according to Jesus... Evil is not represented by people running around, you know, with skin all red and little horns coming out of their head and a pitchfork for a tail. That's not evil, according to Jesus. According to Jesus, evil, people who belong to the devil, are anyone who are so blinded by the devil that they don't follow Jesus. Simply to not follow Jesus, to not recognise Jesus, that is, to put in terms of this passage, I know it's really hard to hear, but to not follow Jesus, according to this passage, is demonic. It's to be on the side of evil, it's to be blinded by the devil. How can Jesus say this? What a horrific thing to say. Well, the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that everything is made by, through, and for Jesus. That God, in his son Jesus, holds everything together, moment by moment. It all comes from him, it all brings glory to him, it's all for him. And so consider this university. I think Monash University is amazing. When I first got here, the most notable feature about Monash was the Menzies building. And it could have been in the competition for the ugliest campus in Australia. But now I'm glad to say, after 17 long years here, and me like uh, lobbying the powers that be for years and years to please get some decent landscaping happening. And look, I've even drawn some pictures of better buildings you could create. Thanks to me, friends, it's a much more beautiful campus now, isn't it? It really is a glorious campus. I think it's a, a testament to how good architecture and landscaping can be. And what about the brain power of this place? There are so many clever, smart, influential people here. And you are truly blessed to be here. As a student, this is one of the best universities in Australia. It's an honour to be here. And I think you should lap it up. So much innovation, technology, great ideas and great people and fantastic leaders just pour out of Monash. It's a wonderful place to be. And the reason why it's so wonderful, says the Bible, 
is because it reflects the beauty, the glory, the power, the goodness of God. And Jesus Christ, who holds everything together minute by minute, everything's made by through for him. He holds this universe together, Jesus Christ. But try this. Try going down to the campus centre at lunchtime, buying a pizza, tapping, you know, getting a your, getting your slice of pizza and then saying to the lady, thank you so much for the pizza and praise Jesus for this pizza. And see what happens. I mean, she might think you're just really weird or she might think it's sort of low-level blasphemy or swearing, like, oh, thank Jesus for pizza. Like, you know, I'm so hungry. Sweet Jesus, thanks for pizza. Like, maybe she thinks you're saying that. Or what about after a lecture? You know, you're, you're in philosophy. I don't, I don't know what people study here, to be honest. I don't know what I'm talking about here. But, you know, you're in philosophy 101. Is that such a thing? I don't know. But there's some lady at the front there. She's a philosopher, a lecturer or something like that. And she's, she's talking about, and I don't know anything about philosophy either. We'll soon find that out. She's talking about the uh, Enlightenment and how that leads to modernism. That sounds about right. And then, and then that gives way to postmodernism and that gives way to, to uh, TikTokism. And, and it's, it's just an amazing lecture. And she's so smart and you're at the edge of your seat and you're blown away and, and you walk down the front after the lecture and you say to her, thank you so much for that. It just blew my mind and I can... See how you know, the, the currents in philosophy have shaped society and thank Jesus for the brain that he's given you and thank Jesus for the lecture you've been able to put together. I wonder what she would think or say. That's an interesting philosophy you have there. I don't know what she would say. If she was polite, she might just think you're a bit weird, but she might. Don't you think it's quite possible that she would be offended? That should be like, how dare you thank Jesus for my brilliance? You're really stupid to think that Jesus did that. I'm the one who did that. But my friends, that's the point. That's the point. That's the definition of evil. The definition of evil is being held together by a good and brilliant and wonderful and amazing and powerful and glorious God, second by second. Jesus, everything made through by, for him. You're completely held together and have your next breath because of him and yet denying him and saying that glory is mine. That's the definition of evil, according to the Bible. And whilst that way of living still can produce lots of good and wonderful things, and that's why even though this Monash University is not built to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, even though that is not the case, because he holds it all together, you can be here as someone who loves Jesus and enjoy it and revel in it and suck it up because you know where the source really is, where it all really comes from. It's right to enjoy it and to be a part of it. You don't need to reject it, but, that, but that's what's going on in the world. People who are blinded by the devil, sown by the devil, people who are, uh, who, are, who are sown by Jesus Christ and understand who he is and follow him. And Jesus is saying, therefore, the kingdom of heaven has come in power. You see, 
I'm calling all these people to myself everywhere, all over the world. It is powerfully advancing this kingdom of heaven. But because the weeds are growing up, it is really obscured. And so that's why he tells his disciples this parable are weeds the way of the future. Jesus, you've come, but you don't seem to be winning. Jesus says, no, I am winning. It just doesn't look like it. Look what he says. Look what he says there in chapter 13 uh, at the end of this section. He says, they will throw them into the blazing furnace where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. When will the glory of the kingdom of heaven being revealed, he says, then, then. When the judgment comes at the end, that's when all will be revealed for what it truly is. And he says, don't be deceived. Even though it doesn't look like it, the kingdom of heaven is advancing powerfully. And that's why he tells those two other parables um, in the middle there. He tells the parable of the mustard seed and he tells the parable um, of the yeast. And there he's saying, look, you know, the kingdom of heaven, what's it like? It's, it's like you've got this tiny seed, like a mustard seed. This, you know, one of the smallest seeds you could possibly find and you throw it in the dirt and you don't think much of it because it just seems so tiny and inconsequential. And then you walk away and you, it happens to get watered with all the other plants that you're watering and then, I don't know, a few weeks or something later, you notice that something is sprouting up and you'd almost forgotten you'd even planted it. And there it pops up and then you just keep tending the garden and after some time you just notice, oh, wow, that's turning into a big bush. And then sometime later it turns into a tree, then it grows into a massive tree and the biggest tree in the whole garden now. And the birds come and perch in it and it provides shade for the rest of the garden. It's become the most oppressive, wonderful thing there is in your garden. And, and Jesus is saying that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's, it has this subversive power. It's growing right under the nose of the devil. It's growing powerfully right under the nose of these powerful secular institutions. And he says here that it's like yeast. It says here that um, in, in this story, this parable about the yeast, there's a woman and she has, it says, uh, what does it say there? She has a lot, a lot of flour. It says 60 pounds. In my footnotes, it says 27 kilograms of flour. And so this is a big chunk of dough. So just this may be TMI, but just imagine this, my tummy. It's, it's just a big, it's rip off my head, rip off my feet, plonk the rest down. Here's this big, chunky bit of dough. And she's got the yeast. And she's trying to knead it in. And you can just imagine how long... Sorry. Just <laughs> stop. <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. So it's just, it's just dough. It's just dough. So there she's kneading the yeast into the dough. And it takes ages. How long would it take? And she's working away and she's perspiring and it's really hard work. But eventually that yeast is through the whole batch of dough such that now it'll, it'll rise when she, when she bakes it. And you can't see it, but it's there. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom of heaven, don't, you know, it's so easy to ignore, isn't it? The kingdom of heaven, the biggest religion in the world today, Christianity. The biggest religion in the world. The most influential person 
in human history, Jesus Christ. I mean, debatable, sure, but sh- come on. He's right there in the mix, right? If not, surely he's, he's in the argument. And it's just a matter of fact that still the greatest selling book ever is the Bible. Massive reach, isn't it? How many Christians now are in China? How many in the subcontinent? How many in South America? How many in Africa? Here, it feels like it's pretty slow and you don't really feel the presence of Christianity much, but this is just this neck of the woods. It's not representative of the whole world. If you just want to notice, you can actually see the influence of Christianity and it spread absolutely everywhere. In his book, Humilitas, John Dixon argues that the you know, the, the, the Christian ethic around humility completely turned the Roman Empire upside down. He says before Christianity, along, uh, before Christianity came along, humility was seen as a weakness. Why would you be humble? Why wouldn't you constantly just talk yourself up? Surely the idea is that you present all your achievements constantly to people. That's impressive. If you're humble, you're weak. But Christianity elevated humility as a strength. And it completely changed the Roman Empire. And to this day, in Western culture, humility is seen as a great virtue. The kingdom of heaven has just permeated so much. And Jesus is saying, don't be fooled. Yes, the weeds are growing. But so is the kingdom of heaven. Be encouraged, Christian. Live as though Jesus is the Lord of Monash University because he is. Even though it's not obvious, he is. And to land to this, I want to land with um, the, the exhortation of Jesus. He says there in verse 43, Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Then he says this funny sort of thing here, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I don't quite know what to do with that instruction. <laughs> if you have ears, whoever has ears, let them hear. What's he saying? Well, it could, and maybe it's saying, tell everyone. You know, if a person has ears, let them hear this news about the kingdom of heaven. But I think in context, in the context of the whole, uh, uh, the, the whole gospel, rather it's saying, for those who have ears to hear, for those who have their curiosity piqued by what I'm saying, let them hear. This is where he lands. He's, 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 it's like he's saying, let the reader understand. He's, it's like he's saying, if you can see that I'm onto something, draw near to me. If you can see something in this, draw closer, follow me. And this is borne out in this whole section. Look here in verse 34 through to 36. It says there, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He didn't say anything to them without using a parable. And so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Now, parables, uh, despite popular belief, (laughs) Don't clarify things 
I mean, once you know the key oil parable, they are simple and they're easy to understand, right? But when you don't know the interpretive key to a parable, they're just a story and you really have no idea what they're about. And when Jesus is telling parables, he's actually saying hidden things in a hidden way such that the key to understanding the kingdom is to come to him and to ask him for clarification. That's the whole point here. And that's why it says there in verse 36, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. You see, partly the kingdom of heaven is set up in this way, to be growing alongside the domain of the devil in such a way that the kingdom of heaven is obscured, such that only people who come to Jesus would see it. So even though Christianity is massive, even though Christianity is huge, even though the kingdom of heaven is clearly in our day and age visibly powerful, right? It's easy to ignore. It's easy to turn your back upon. It's easy to turn away, isn't it, from the kingdom of heaven? If you want to see how wonderful, how powerful, how glorious the kingdom of heaven is, you need to come to Jesus. And let me just tell you a point of personal testimony here. Is when I came to Jesus at the age of 18, really, properly, everything began to make sense. Before that, it kind of didn't really. And coming to Jesus and letting him teach me how this world works makes so much more sense of everything than any other way of view the world. That's been my personal experience. But before I came to Jesus, I wasn't really aware of that. When I came to Jesus, I was full of doubts. I, I was raised in a Christian home, and I kind of thought I'd been brainwashed, and I kind of wanted it to be true, but I thought, how could I possibly know it's true? It's too fantastic. It can't be true. And eventually, it just simply came down to this. Do I believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he's actually God, that he died on a cross, that he rose again? And I thought to myself, I can't really deny it. I have my doubts about it, but I think that is what happened. And so with fear and trembling and lots of doubt, I just decided I would put my trust in Jesus because it's really a question of will I follow him or will I not? Is he worth following or, or isn't he? Is he worth the risk? And I thought he certainly is because I don't know how else to explain Jesus. So I'm going to follow him because denying him just seems too much. So I, I, tr I trusted him. But then as soon as I did, as soon as I started following him, the world kind of just opened up. It was like everything was in black and white and then it became colour. It just made sense. And that's exactly how God has designed it in the Son of Man. And the reason why it's designed that way is because being part of the glorious kingdom of heaven is not about your intelligence or your achievements in life or how charismatic you are or how much money you earn. It's not about passing a test. It's about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ who freely gives good gifts to the people he holds together in his good creation. So the exhortation there is, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Lean in to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. I was just listening to a podcast. 
the rise and fall of Mars Hill. I don't know if you've heard of it. You may not have. It doesn't really matter. But in there, they're talking about kind of, um, you know, people falling away from Christianity. There's a whole movement now in America called Exvangelical, people who once were evangelicals and now they've turned away from it all and they're disillusioned. And there was someone just talking about that phenomenon and he raised uh, the story of Pilgrim's Progress by the famous, uh, by that famous Christian saint, uh, John Bunyan. He wrote this book. Um, about this guy, Pilgrim, who was marching towards the celestial city on this massive journey and all these temptations and obstacles and people put in his way on his way to the celestial city. And this bloke, when he was reflecting on exvangelicalism in the church, like people turning away from the faith, he was saying, you know, in the story of Pilgrim's progress, Pilgrim isn't really troubled by atheist. So atheist is a character in, in Pilgrim's Progress, and he comes along and he says to Pilgrim, well, I've raced ahead of you, Pilgrim. I've gone up over the hill, far beyond where you've got to in your journey, and I can tell you nothing is there. I've gone far enough to figure out this is all a fantasy, and so I'm coming back, and I'm going back to all I left behind in search of the celestial city because I can see that it's all a bad joke. Pilgrim isn't phased. Pilgrim goes, oh, he just gave up and he keeps ploughing on, more or less. But what really knocks Pilgrim about? The character or the giant despair. That's what knocks him about. That's what locks him up in the castle of doubt. That's what really rattles him, despair. Feeling as if it's all too hard being disillusioned by being a part of this amazing kingdom of heaven, but are not feeling that glorious, not feeling that great, by getting lots of dents and dings along the way. Despair is what rattles him and puts him off his game and thwarts his march towards the celestial city in a much more powerful way than did atheist. And the reason why I bring that up is that that's what's going on here, right? This is why Jesus tells this story to his disciples. He's saying, you've got to know this. Yes, the kingdom of heaven has come in power, but it's not going to be smooth sailing. It's not, sailing. It's not going to be easy. You really are going to wonder if the weeds are winning, if actually the weeds are the way of the future, if you should hit your trailer onto their, their bus. And Jesus says to that person, those with ears to hear, let them hear. Lean in. Press into me. Follow me. Because my glory and your glory and the kingdom of heaven, its glory, will be revealed in the end. Trust me. Follow me. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.